Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, guys, we've had a couple of great episodes here recently. Yeah. 2019 UCC announcements. You getting excited? Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm getting you know goosebumps now. You know, like I did last <laughs> year. Um, you know, I've brought this up before. You know, being an enthusiast for years, I still am. But you know, reading the magazines, looking up to all the guys that you know we get to interview now and uh, get to do business with. You know, day to day. Yeah. Um, you know, to be a part of such a big event. You know, whether it was like you know DPC or you know the UCC like this, it's it's a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, speaking of uh, DPC, I've been following KJ, uh, yeah. editor of Diesel Power Magazine, yeah. out at SEMA right now. Right. This is the week of SEMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are recording post-Halloween here. Pretty cool trucks out at SEMA this yeah, year. Yeah, you know, it's been a lot of cool awards going out. You know, KJ's been posting on his Facebook page. I'm friends with him there. Yep. You know, you are. Um, a lot of... Uh, I've never been a big SEMA fan, right? Like, I don't follow SEMA. That, right. That's not something that I do. Um, but I see all the posts from different shops and vendors that go there and, and you know, participate. Um, a lot of different builds. You're seeing a lot of different things. Like, I saw a retractable bedside out of Ford. Like, I don't know. It's just that uh, I, I, I saw a set of $18,000 carbon fiber connecting rods. Yeah. For, uh, like, um, uh, it was like a hydro fuel car or whatever. Nitro. Nitro fuel car. Yeah. Um, Engine, badass, um, eighteen grand, pay up. Yeah, so the, that's that's the connecting rods. That, I just want to be yeah, clear. Yeah, that, that is that, the connecting. Those rods. are just a set of right. connecting rods. Uh, I think the thing with SEMA is that it's a little bit off of our mark because we're so like a, as a company, and I think as just a group of guys, we're so into that. Like it looks stock, but it performs badass. And how do you show that at SEMA? We're into practicality. Right, you right. Know, like, like, like. There is nothing practical use. with any of the builds. At SEMA. And with SEMA builds, what do we see with trucks? It's the the lift. Mm-hmm. It's the lift, all about the lift and the tires. The polish, the glam. Right. You know, twenty six is twenty eight. We are 30s. starting to finally see a drawback to, so. to some of the throwbacks. Yep. Um, the rat rod TV shows have have kind of started to bring that that vibe back yeah. of twelve valves and, yeah. and old and patina and rust, and I think we're starting to find a good mix between them. So I think what uh, the best way I would describe it is uh, the industry or the the diesel industry as a whole is becoming a little bit more seasoned. Yeah, you know we were talking about this the other day. You know, talking about like the old twelve valve Cummins, and a lot of guys they look at a twelve valve Cummins as you know that old school kind of iconic diesel platform. That's kind of like the muscle car in in the diesel world. Yeah. You know, that's the dinosaur. That's the old school. That's what probably got most of the guys that you guys look up to, that our listeners look, look up to. Those guys all own 12 valves at one point or another. Right. That was like your first diesel that you modified that you read about in the magazines. I, like that. I know I have. That's such, that's such so, a perfect comparison, like yeah. a, like an old 70s Chevelle or a Charger or something like that. It's like that's, that's what you the know? 12 valve and it, is. It's crazy to think, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, I picked up a, a 96 that I brought back to the shop. And one of the other sales guys at the shop has a, a first gen, Joey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had um, his first gen. We had my 96 second gen. Uh, we had uh, Jim's third gen. Jim Rabbit, um, yep. Another guy at the shop, Aaron, he's got a third gen. And then we had my, my 15, right? So we had all generations lined up. Yeah, I remember this because Joey made me move yeah, my, my beautiful, yeah. amazing diesel-powered, mm-hmm. uh, way cooler vehicle out of yeah, the way, way so cooler, you can take a picture. Way cooler. Um, that's 30 years. Next year, that will be 30 years of Cummins platforms, right? Yeah. In a pickup truck from, from Dodge. And you look at it, and me growing up, you know, in the in the early you know '90s, my dad had a '71 vet. Thirty years, man. That's I mean, it. it's just yeah. it's crazy to look back and think about stuff like that. Yeah. So, 
You sound old. I, uh, I am stopping. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 29 this month. I'm a I'm one step closer to being in the Dirty Thirty Club like you. That's all I gotta say. Fuck you, <laughs> fucking whippersnapper. <laughs> I don't even like you anymore. We're done. That's cool. Have a great night, folks. Thanks for yeah, listening right. to the show. Uh, but on that note, talking about calibrated, hey. you know, we always talk about you know the weeks and this and that. You know, we're at the shop. There's a lot going on as far as like harvest and, and tillage and things like that. It's been crazy. Over at Calibrated it? Power, we have a big ag uh, segment in the business where common rail injection systems go figure um they're on a lot of tractors for the guys that aren't around farm equipment like pretty much everything 2000 yeah so you know and even some of like there's like rotary style uh electronic controlled pumps there's actually some tractors that are electronically controlled p-pumps that we've done tuning on yeah depending on the ecm so you know this is our busy year for ag um you know farmers you know for harvest tillage getting everything ready for winter to hit you know so they can start planting come spring um you know so it's been one of those things where uh this is a solution to guys who maybe they don't want to buy a newer piece of equipment or maybe they want to upgrade their implement, and again, you know, just the, the tractor isn't in the, the cost or their budget. Yeah, we offer a solution where we're able to rewrite the factory ECM with uh, different engine calibrations to improve the horsepower and torque output, so they don't have to go and invest two, three hundred thousand dollars into a tractor or a half a million dollars into a combine. Or it's so funny you say that. I was just out at SAS Farms yeah. and we did a ninety-five ten hour local, for them. A local farm here. Yep, local farm here. Uh, corn and beans, right? We're in northern Illinois. Yeah, gotta love it. Um, they do tillage on just about all of their fields. They have a lot of small plots around here, right? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of all over the county. Um, and a lot of those plots, they do do tillage. They bought a much larger implement this year yeah. uh, for that. And they looked at the 9510R and said, it's not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. We had tuned a couple of tractors for them in the past. We've done years when Nick was doing the R&D on that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So so they actually went back and, and looked because when they were shopping for this new implement, uh, they kind of knew what they were getting into. Right. They knew that they could overbuy on the implement and yep. buy a tuner instead yep. of going and doing it the other way around, having yeah. to buy a new tractor. So that's been really, really cool. we got some great videos over at Calibrated Power's YouTube channel. Yeah. So if you guys uh, are on a smartphone, jump on YouTube, search Calibrated Power. We just put up a playlist. I want to say 12, 13, yeah. 15 videos. There's, there's a few new ones that we just did that we released, and we added that in. Yep. Um, but it's been a big hit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they've and, been uh, really popular. Yeah, a lot of you know end shops, too, like you know implement shops, things like that, where they know that they're going to help these guys out and sell them a bigger implement. Well, now they have a you know tuner to kind of back that up as well to, to help with those tractors. So. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, just one last note on that, and then uh, we'll move on to Diesel Insights. Um, we are we we are at Calibrated Power. We are looking for some uh, two or three positions that yeah. I, I just want to throw out there. Uh, number one, customer service. So if you're in the Northern Illinois area looking to get into diesel performance, or Southern or, Wisconsin, or Southern Wisconsin, yeah. or if you're looking to move uh, to the general Chicago land area, <laughs> uh, we are looking for a customer service rep. This is a great role for somebody who likes talking to people, likes solving problems, is passionate about diesel, has some sort of diesel experience, and is looking to grow a career. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody else who has worked in customer service either still currently works at the company in a higher level position right. or is moving to a higher level position. Yeah, yeah. This is really where we where we kind of farm league. Uh, we start guys out. We kind of let them learn the business, learn the industry, and then help grow their careers from mm-hmm. there, regardless of what path that takes them yeah. down. There's been like every path and then some too. I mean, yeah. customer service, then they if you want go to sweep into the floors turbo here, bay. you got to start yeah. at, at customer 
customer service. You know, they go into the turbo department or the shop department. Maybe they saw more of a tuning, sales, yeah, sales all over the board. All, so a lot of opportunity there. Uh, we're really excited about that. So if you guys uh, are interested or know anybody who's interested, we are looking for that role to be filled. Uh, I believe there's still an opening back in the turbo bay. Yes. Uh, so they are looking for a turbo assembler. And then, of course, certified on-site HD tuning specialist. Ooh. If you're interested in that program, uh, that is an, an independent um that you, you own your own business and, and we kind of work with you to be able yeah. to supply the things you need to to pursue that. So that is for on-site HD tuning specialist. Uh, you can contact Chris Emke yeah. directly about that. He would be your point of contact there. How, working, did, how do they reach you? Yeah, I've been working with a, a couple of the guys so far getting set up. It's a really, really nice program. Just want to touch on that. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me direct. Uh, my email is uh, C is in Chris and then my last name Emke. So cmke at duramaxtuner.com or you could reach me direct 8 one five five six eight seventy nine twenty extension twenty one twenty one. If you have any questions, guys, feel free to reach out. Perfect. All right, man. Let's dive in. Diesel Insights from Duramax Tuner. I I apologize. This is a, a product or a, a segment that I'm actually kind of run point on and been a little bit thin on the videos over the last two weeks, but that's but there's because been we're prepping for other right. stuff. And But there's other been there's been other videos. We've done a ton of L5P stuff, the R&D for L5P, different turbochargers, like things that we're going to be talking about here. Um a Absolutely. lot of back prep. Yeah. You know, a lot of back prep. It does. It, it takes a lot of setup on these, so sometimes we'll kind of shoot in bunches. So you guys should get ready over the next few weeks. I would say post-Thanksgiving uh, throughout December, we'll have a lot of these coming at you. Uh, coming up on L5P Airflow, 6.7 liter Ford Turbo Overview, and 2013 Cummins Longevity. <laughs> I don't really know how to dive into the longevity one. Any feedback for me there, Chris? Uh, <laughs> on what part? Um, I want to. I want to measure. I, I want to show how do you how do you measure longevity on a Cummins? I mean, I, I think the thing here that uh, so there's a misperception I think in the market, mm-hmm. and then we could talk you know data as as we are yeah. uh, very driven by um, longevity would be how many miles does a truck have and what kind of components need to be replaced along the way. Um, how far can you push that engine while putting a lot of miles on that truck without having to replace, you know, a ton of added parts along the way? Yeah. I um, can't do a double NATO test and run something no, for 80 hours no. continuously on a dyno. What I was thinking is, what about, like, oil analysis? Oil analysis, I think, would be a good thing. Yeah, a good, you good know, insight. I'd be scared seeing... to pull the oil out of my truck and send it in, not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, but, right? Like, I just had a, uh, real quick, I just had a customer, right? LB7, worked with them for several years. Uh, we're doing a, the next chapter, if you will, next part of the build. And um, he sent out an oil analysis about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just called me back today to say that everything, you know, um, everything was good. Like, he's ready to move forward, right? And over the last month, like, we've had several conversations, and he was freaking out. Like, he's like, man, he's like, this is an LB7. It's an 03. Like, this thing's been around the block a time or two. Like, uh, it's not, I don't have good luck. This is not going to come back in my favor. Yeah. And um, it it did. And I have a lot of people that, you know, it's the people that say, oh, I'm fine. I'm going to send it off and be okay. Those are the guys that are going to have issues. Always, always. An oil analysis, I think, goes a long way. But I'm just going to stick to the nitty gritty. I mean, you take a truck, you push it past its its potential limits, you know, whatever factory is, and then some. Um, you know, take the 15 Ram, you know, the yeah. one that I bought from Nick. Uh, 345 horse stock, um, not even 1,000 miles on it. The truck was at 500 wheel horse. Truck currently sits at around 650 wheel horsepower with compound Allegedly. turbos. It, I mean, dyno proven, right? <laughs> um, that My truck's still on stock head bolts and it has a stock head gasket. It makes 55 pounds of boost. I get so many head, head stud questions and a lot every of, day. And a lot yeah. of times, you know, and guys are like, oh, the 6.7s are notorious. 
curious. It's like, well, it's the same clamping capacity as a 5.9. You never ran into 5.9 issues. And a lot of it, I think, is contested to tuning. A yeah. lot of it is how much timing does that engine run uh, with a tune. Um, knowing the limitations of the factory turbocharger in the perspective of quality airflow by that boost number. Right. When is it inefficient hot air, which is going to create more cylinder heat? pressure, drive pressure has now become an issue because the turbos overspun, that kind of thing. So, you know, that I think plays a, a really big role. I mean, we've had customers that they do hot shotting. They've put several hundred thousand miles on the trucks. Yeah. And LMMs with 800,000 yeah. miles. LML. I had a customer a couple weeks ago calling. He had 475,000 miles on his LML. Factory DPF and EGR still on the truck. Damn. So, you know, well, that, that's a whole other topic of yeah, discussion yeah, yeah. there. But, you know, there are these platforms are becoming more and more robust and reliable. You know, uh, we're going to dive into an exhaust yeah. uh, episode. Here I'm excited one day. about that. I know. I'm excited about I that. I feel bad because I feel like we're over prepared to torture somebody who we have on the show to talk about like pro deletes. It's going to be picking. It's going to be picking on them for yeah. sure. I mean, so I need somebody with a thick skin and well-educated because I, yeah. I don't want somebody who's going to come in and just be like, well, cool, bro. Yeah, right. you, you know, like we need somebody who, who has some solid solid yeah. facts to go on. So th- and that'll a, be I interesting. Mean, there's a lot of that. You know, the market's still in, in favor in that direction. I mean. Thinning. It, it is thinning, I'm but it's still. I'm finding more, more distributors are just dropping delete lines from their, from their websites. True. True. So just finding the products, you can still find them. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. A good Google search will get you what you want. Yeah. But the amount of availability is thinning. Yeah, the, the broadcasting of we can do this, we can do that, you know, that's yeah. definitely thinning out. You know, and I, I would challenge anyone to be confident in saying this. Um, as someone that came into this organization, you know, five years ago, um, I would have been one of those guys. I, I know I would have. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just because that's what I was around. I hear you. And um, after, you know, driving Nick's old twin-turbo LML, you know, the oh, the 11, God, truck so drove bad. nice, yeah. to someone now where, you know, I my, my daily driver's a 15, you know, it is emissions equipped. It's nice. It's quiet. It uh, it drives really, really well. Yeah. You know, and I, no issues, gets good mileage, very responsive as far as down-low response, which... Most of the flack that emissions get is that non-responsiveness down low. But, right. Uh, you know, all in all, until you drive it and experience it firsthand, it's nice to it's nice to operate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, diving into WC Fabs from Facebook segment. A quick shout out to WC Fab. Awesome stuff over there. You know, they've been so amazing at working with us, Jason, directly on yeah. some of the L5P stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's been hard. Like, their guys have been grinding it out and doing some, you know, R&D and development. Well, they've only had a twin kit built for a year and a half for them, so. <laughs> well, hold on. That was, that was like, <laughs> so two things here, right? I don't know if I should say this, but I'm just going to say it anyways. He had an, he had an L5P compound set up, right? Mm-hmm. But that would have never fit in a truck. Okay, that was just right. like a, hey, we're badass, we have this. Um, Jason 17 has compounds in it as we're talking. Okay, <laughs> pictures documented, identified. It's super, super cool. Yeah. Um, and they just went to town. Like when we said, hey, L5P Sports here, let's go. They had intake horns. They had this. They had that. Like then he's dropping the truck off every couple days for dyno testing. Like he is excited. Yeah. He is super, super excited. And it's just, it's cool to see, you know, the uh, evolution of what the L5P was three months ago. <laughs> to now it's cool to be a part of it it's cool to drive them you know i've had some uh i've been very lucky and very fortunate enough to get some seat time in a tuned one a couple tuned trucks already yeah it's just it's really really neat to be a part of no for sure for sure awesome man well okay today for from facebook uh, i got a message from tanner howard he's he's we've gone back and forth a few times here but i thought he had a really cool question um here we go 
Hey guys, so I've heard you guys talk a lot about the LML and LBZ bottom ends and what they can take. What about the LB7s and LLYs? I've been looking into compounds after all my issues were solved, but after reading around and seeing that 650 is the limit for an LLY bottom end, I'm getting a bit skeptical. Would it be logical to have compounds on stock injectors and have the bottom end by and save the bottom end by limiting fuel? <laughs> Uh, get this question a lot. It's so common. Okay, so one, I feel like I've harped on on how terribly unreliable LB7 and LLY bottom ends are past 650 horse. But I probably haven't. I probably just feel like I have because if I say it once, I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, um, 650 is like an unreliable limit, if I could just start there. For for LB7s and LOYs, we do quote 650 that's based on the dyno numbers we've seen here in-house. It's based on the engines we've torn down, the dealers we work with, our personal experiences. Again, no hard data, scientific testing on this, but general consensus in the industry is 650, you might get a season out of it. You might get two. I mean, I've had... You're not probably going to get three mm -hmm. if if you're working the truck. Now, 650 peak horsepower compared to how you use the truck is two different worlds. You don't use 600 horsepower to drive 55, 60 miles an hour unloaded. Mm -hmm. You don't use 650 horsepower to pull the the load at gross vehicle weight up the Eisenhower Pass. I know you think it takes a ton of power, but it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. It it really only takes a little bit of power. So we're going to see that peak number under heavy abuse or a lot of fun is the other way to phrase that. Um, Compounds. On the stock bottom end, you want to hit on that real quick. Yeah. Drive pressures. You want to you want to do some so, school in there. I think you know there's there's a time and a place for anything and everything in this in this market. <clears throat> so, if a customer were to call in, or you know, if me and you were having a conversation directly, Tanner, um, and you were inquiring about compounds, my first question would be, how do you use the truck? If this truck is a primary tow rig and you're looking to manage exhaust gas temps or drop them as much as possible, then compounds are going to be the ticket. Easy money. However. Compounds on stock fuel versus a like a drop-in turbo, like a stealth on stock fuel, they're gonna make the same peak number. True. Okay. A stealth will probably help with um, EGTs a little bit more so than the stock turbo, of course, just because of the airflow at that given boost number. Um, but as far as risk of the bottom ends, you know, it's still that power. That power is still there. Yeah. Okay. Now when. Like you had mentioned, drive pressures. Drive pressures on a compound setup versus the stealth on a 600-horse application, probably going to be right in line with one another. Um, now, if you were to push a compound setup to its limits, so like a Stocker S475 setup, where its capabilities are generally 7 to 750, once you have the fuel to support that and push those two turbos, now they're working a little more aggressive. It takes a little bit more work to get the air out of the exhaust. That's where you start to see the drive pressure start to creep up in an unreliable aspect. Yeah. I hear a lot of theories on that about compounds are going to come up on drive pressure faster. They come up on the well, so it will balance at peak, but you will have a longer period of high drive pressure with a set of compounds. What are your thoughts on that? So, drive pressure is created by air entering the motor and air exiting the motor. So, how fast does the exhaust gases come out of the engine versus how fast does the air enter in the engine? That's where drive pressure comes into play. Okay, If you have a properly balanced set of turbochargers, you're going to be able to allow air to exit as it enters as close to 1 to 1 as possible. Okay, so that's that's the strategy here. So when we're talking a Stocker S4 setup where its capabilities are seven and a half, seven seven and a half, right? And we're only making you know six hundred. 
that's going to be a one to one ratio any day of the week. Okay, so the the big thing here that a lot of guys they take they they don't understand is, well, I can take this turbo and make this power. Okay, well, that's the limitation of that turbo. You are pushing that turbo to its limits to make that power. Right. That that's where heat builds up. Well, why does heat build up? Generally, because drive pressures become a little bit more out of whack, because the turbo that you have on the truck is too small for that horsepower. You're pushing it too hard, and air simply is entering the engine quicker than it can exit. That's right. So, a little off topic compared to what he was asking, but you know, on his setup, you know, a, a stock bottom end stock fuel compound setup, it's going to run really, really well. They're a blast. My my perspective here is is unless Tanner is towing constantly with this truck, or he's at like a higher altitude, something along those lines, it's just a it's a money game, you know, because you're going to spend let's say $4,000 to go through us WC fab on a, a stocker S 400 setup at a minimum minimum. You know what type of labor it costs. You've quoted a bunch of these. You've sold these at the shop before yeah, 26 to 29 hours. Yeah, It, it depends. I mean, at the 20, 25, we'll just say 25 for the sake of it. We, we pull the motor out of the truck to, to do the install. It's easier for us. Right. Um, and it, that's not doing it that way. doesn't add any more than what the next guy would charge. Um, so you're you're going to be into a compound setup for at a minimum six thousand dollars unless you do the work yourself, which I'm not doing it myself, or you could do a drop-in turbocharger. The turbocharger is literally half the cost of the compounds. It's going to support the same type of airflow uh, to match the stock fuel setup that he's looking to run. A third of the labor. A third of the labor, and you're going to have a badass sounding truck that's still responsive, that's going to still do well towing, and that's where like the stealth line. You know, I hate to sell our product, but that's where the stealth line shined because well, that's a, why we designed it. A few right? years ago, yeah. Nick was compound the world. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then once we started getting into more of the R and D and understanding how the drop in turbos can benefit us, there is a lot of value there. And yeah. again, it gives you that ability. You know, Tanner. Let's say a couple of years from now, the engine does let go. Well, now you want to build it. Now you want to add compounds over it. Well, now you have an awesome turbo as a foundation to compound over to exceed whatever that seven or maybe seven hundred fifty horsepower capability would have been with a stocker S four. So it's just little things like that. You know, take a step back, think of how long have you had the truck? Where do you see the truck? Do you want to be one of those guys that upgrades into something new? Do you want to keep your truck, pay it off, you know, put some money together and give that truck a second life and really turn it into something that's one of a kind and special to you? Right. And that's where I, when I ask those certain individuals those questions, the conversation or the game plan either steers to the left or steers to the right, and that's where we go. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, you know, speaking of making good decisions and and having good conversations, I think that walks us pretty easily in today's uh, exergy performances do's and don'ts segment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, Chris, I'm going to let you kick off on the do here. I think you had a, a bit of a backstory on this one. Yeah. So make sure you get advice from credible sources. Okay, you can call every shop out there. Okay, and you're going to get anything and everything told to you under the sun. Okay, um, whether it's a performance build that you're after, and you know this setup can do X, this setup can do Y, that kind of thing. Um, you're going to really, really upset yourself by calling different shops or going online and, and reading the forums because you are never going to be told the same thing consistently. Okay. Yeah. Call five shops, get five answers. Yeah. I, my joke is call five shops, get 10 answers. I mean, that's the <laughs> truth. So, you know, where, where, you know, us at Calibrated, one of the root foundations that we offer is, is data-driven results, right? Yeah. We, we do a lot of testing on the dyno, a lot of street miles, you know, driving these vehicles, have a good understanding of how something's going to react. So when I'm offering something to a customer, it's, um, they're not a guinea pig. This is a, a proven thing like this works. And, and we're not saying 
you can only like call us. We're the credible no, source. No, no, no. Here's the thing. There's a lot of trucks that like we don't even service. You know how many guys message me, especially through the podcast yeah. about their twelve valve. Sorry, guys, I'm not a twelve valve guy, no. and I only kick so many of those over yeah. to you. Um, find a credible source. Find somebody who's an expert in the field and, of what you have a question about. And and this here we're talking about injectors yeah. mostly with exergy and pumps and feed tubes and all the other common stuff and we deal with. Where but I was, where my rambling was going to lead to is. You want to be able to do business or to take advice, if you will. So take advice from a, a company or a, a resource that has been able to provide end results that match your goals. That's right. Okay. And maybe a step further, someone who has done it repeatedly. Yeah. Well, you know, when I run into this, where like I get guys that are like, oh, well, my uncle's a tractor puller and he's got four engines on his tractor and he says I need 150 overs in my daily driver on a stock pump. I'm not saying your uncle doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. I'm saying he's not a credible source for this application. application. You need to find somebody who most closely matches your situation. Yep. And get sources from them. And we're not just talking about your buddies on the forums who have the same truck and the same build. And they say, buy from the guy I bought from. Again, not a credible source. You want somebody who's tried a lot of things. Yeah. You want somebody who has failure stories and yeah. success stories. You want somebody who, who is a lot of experience or at least a lot of knowledge that they're sharing. So it doesn't have to be us, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, we would love to be those guys and that'd be great. And we're happy to help wherever we can, but there are a lot of holes in our expertise. Oh yeah, no. Like when mean, we look at all of diesel performance, right? I've had several listeners that have reached out directly for VP advice. You know, yeah. I'll tell them all day long, like, yeah, did I set up the build, you know, that we did on our second gen? Yes. Have I built these in the past? Yes. Am I an expert by any means? I'm enough to be dangerous, but I'm not an expert. Right. Like, I'm not an expert. And I, I'm very upfront about that. Hey, here's a couple setups that I have done that I know work. If you're interested, then, you know, here's the information. If not, you know, maybe reach out to this company, this company, and this company. See what they can tell you because that's their wheelhouse. That's what they specialize in. Absolutely. And, you know, you just you kind of go from there. And anytime anyone says, well, I heard this or I read this, just do a little bit more research. Again, at, you know, playing like devil's advocate here, like, oh, don't believe everything you read in the forums. You know, don't, you know, be doing that stuff. But at don't the same time. Don't listen to everything you hear on a podcast. Right, exactly. Right. Especially if the guy's name's Paul. Um, <laughs> but it's just knowledge is key. And if you have a reputable source, I mean, that's kind of everything. That's what it's about. And if you have questions about common rail injection systems that are Bosch-based, contact the guys over at Exergy. You're going to get somebody who, on the phone who's an expert who can answer your questions. Yeah. And since they don't sell product direct, they really don't care if you're by. They, they really are there to help. So if you got questions about common rail injection products... Um, we've, I mean, we've even had a couple of stragglers at the shop that there were issues, like big builds that oh, just yeah. weren't going correctly. And the guys over at Exergy, I mean, granted, you know, we, we do work with them direct, but they were knowledgeable. They were able to get us back on our feet. They, that is their wheelhouse. Yeah. That is what they specialize in is common rail injectors and pumps. Absolutely. So I love it. Awesome, man. Well, Chris, uh, I'm going to kick out the don't here and that's don't shop on price alone. Ooh. Uh, I think we've all been in this, uh, buy right, don't buy twice. Um, you buy cheap, get cheap. I, I had three or four other cliches written down, but I don't yeah. feel like reading them now. Uh, we've all been through this. We've all bought something because, ah, fuck it, it was the cheapest. Um, and, and really how I came up with this one is I was sitting on the floor with the sales guys, and I said, hey, guy, I need a don't for Exergy's segment today. and like Because I do my outlines way ahead in advance, like four like or five minutes. minutes before we yeah. walk into this room to record. Um and and the guys were kind of joking, but what I found was there's this general consensus. There's a theme here about they had all recently, all four of our sales guys over there had recently dealt with customers 
who went out and bought the cheapest possible solution to whatever their problem was and now is on the phone and it it turns into such a tragedy i two of our guys today on the phone uh, we're we're talking to end users about they invested into injectors and they're gonna have the injectors are bad. Six months later, there's an issue. Yeah, I ran into a customer the other day, um, a, a three hundred plus thousand mile LMM with the original injectors, and I was like, how do you know that they're the original injectors? Like, well, it was my dad's truck first. All right, you're credible. Like, Got I get it. it. You're right. You know, and he called in for a simple like a relief valve that we have, and he's yeah. like, oh, this is the issue. I was like, unfortunately, like it's not. You could buy that part, you could put it on there, but that that's not going to fix your, your your scenario here. Yeah. So and we here go you in, are talking about spending another fifty bucks, right. right? So now you know we're sitting here, and I'm walking him through the reasons that I believe it's an injector related issue based off of what we had seen in the past. Okay, okay. Well, you know, what would a set of, you know, these injectors be? And you give them a quote. I mean, we're, you know, LMM injectors, they get costly, right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Nope. Oh, okay. Well, what's the difference between that and going with a Bosch Reman, you know, from for, O'Reilly's? From, for 25 for 2200 So then you go into, you go in depth that, well, sir, they're all Reman Bosch injectors, they are a Bosch body. Okay. Right. There is no clarity at that point on who remanned that injector and what went into that injector. But chances are, if you're going to spend that type of money on a set of, of refurbished or remanufactured injectors and you plan on keeping the truck, it's going to happen sooner than later. And you never just replace one. You never, ever just replace one. Oh, those were my favorite. Yeah. So, you know, and you, you kind of give him the same story as I'm an enthusiast, right? I've had to spend money on injectors that when I didn't want to. At the end of the day, what you're going to run into is you you spend the two thousand or twenty, you know, just two thousand dollars on a set of injectors because it was the cheapest route to go. But then what happens in six months when those injectors fail? Even if they were to warranty, you still got to pull them out. You still right. have to do the work. Okay, you're, you you still assuming you're doing it yourself, right? Right. Or or they come back and say, listen, you know, we're just we're not going to warranty it because I have seen that. Yep. Or what happens after the second or third warranty and you're just fed up? Well, now that two thousand dollars plus your time just got compounded because now the now you, you still learned your lesson. Go, you still got to go spend the money on the actual yep. solution. So now you're spending thirty five hundred on a set of injectors, giving your two thousand dollars set of injectors as cores towards those thirty five hundred dollar right. injectors. So you could have paid thirty five hundred in, in one aspect and and not lost any time. But now you're six thousand dollars into a set for what? Do, is, you, do your homework, guys. That's it. Just and, do your homework. And that's that's right there, right? Do yeah. your homework. And that's kind of the general topic today. Um, one of the things that I think is really important about doing doing your homework is talking with experts. Like yeah. we've been recommending throughout the episode today. Uh, what's really cool, Chris, is Calibrated Power sponsors our special guest portion of the show. Today's special guest, I think, is pretty undeniably an expert when it comes to building a Cummins truck. Oh, and yeah. that's even from you, who's a Cummins enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's not waste any more time. Let's get Josh Gruis on the phone and let's talk about Cummins builds. All right, guys. Now it's time for Calibrated Power's uh, special guest. Uh, yeah. Today we're going to do a spec of build with somebody who knows a lot about Cummins. He Chris. proved it. He proved it this past year, you know, back at UCC. Uh, Josh Gruis, how are you, man? Good, guys. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for asking. Now, Josh, uh, you are owner and operator of Jags Pro Truck Shop up there in Zimmerman, Minnesota. 
Um, you've been in the diesel performance game for quite some time. I was checking out your Facebook book group, your Facebook page Dude, today. I can't get words out. I'm barely rubbing man. off on you. That's all I got to um, say. <laughs> I was checking out your Facebook page, your guys' website, found a couple of articles, Diesel World Magazine with some trucks that have been featured um, from your shop and things of that nature. Can you give our listeners just kind of a brief history of, of your life in diesel performance? Well, the shop, I grew up around with my dad driving trucks for a living. Uncle's running farms. So I was around farm equipment with diesel, obviously around the semis with diesel engines, helping dad keep stuff on the road. Um, got into the dealerships at a younger age, figured out right away in life. The only thing I was good enough to make a living at was turning a wrench. Um, got into the dealerships and a lot of people didn't want to deal with the diesels. They didn't want to deal with the heaviness, the harder to work on. I had no problem with it. I was grow, grew up on it, so they threw me into school, everything else with it. 06, when the economy was kind of crashing and everything else, I went out on my own, started my own deal. Uh, the dealership I was working at at the time was actually laying uh, technicians off left and right just because they had no work for them. Um, and it's been an awesome, what, 12 years now, and the shop is growing more and more every year. Well, I mean, it's... Uh it's been enough for you to set a foundation. Uh, you have a family, a couple sons, right? Who we got to meet yep. at UCC. Yeah, yeah back Absolutely. in May. Yep, yep. You have a, <laughs> a pretty stout drag truck as well, you know? So uh, I'd say it's it's done well for you up until this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I got nothing <laughs> to complain about. So. Well, well, speaking of UCC, I'm going to jump on that segue there. Okay. Um, now, you had finished, I believe, fifth place, not last year, but the year before. And then where did you end sixth in? Sixth place overall oh. the first year there. Okay. Okay. Um, took 10th overall last year. Uh, it's a give or take thing. I, we went out there ready to compete. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit there and, I guess, better, lack of better, better terminology, bust my ass all night switching gears for the next event, doing this, doing that. And we ran the truck the exact same all weekend, minus for the sled pull. We threw a hitch on it, some weights, and some dual tires. I mean, the turbos, the injectors, the tune-up, the rear-end gears, the transmission, the entire setup stayed the same all weekend. It was kind of a truck that could just do it all with minor changes. Um, Finishing tenth overall again, we were asked to come back. That's an automatic in. Uh, with some issues with the way my family was treated while we were out there, and at the end of the day, I thought to myself, you know, I'm a small shop compared to most of these guys. Um, finishing top ten two years in a row, that's a win for me. A lot of people might not look at it that way, but last year I did three things. I hit three goals I had. I set for my personal self because I knew going out there, I. Levon and some of these the big shooters that are at the top of the game really screw up. There's no chance of me winning it. Um, so I went out there with personal goals. One was to take an eight set or a crew cab all steel body truck and run an eight second fast. Yep, we did that. We did that on fuel only, no nitrous whatsoever. Uh, second was to place top ten. Once again, we did that. Third was the truck started and ran and drove itself in the trailer under its own power after three days of competition. <laughs> it did that. So and a lot of things people people don't realize. And then uh, that engine in that truck, that was the same motor. You know, we went through, we put new rings and bearings in it, but it was the same exact engine, rods, pistons, head, bore spec, the exact same motor that we ran at UCC 2017 just freshened up. So mm -hmm. We didn't have to go put an entire new power plant under this thing. We took it apart, everything looked great, but at that point it's a part you put new stuff in it. 
um, and just went for it, you know. And to this day, it still starts up and runs. But we haven't had a lick of issues with our our engine. I guess would be the, to so, me that's a, a huge accomplishment when you look at what we're doing with these things. So I, I would say that that hurts a, uh, some a couple people's feelings uh, just hearing that and thinking like what you did, you know, bearings, uh, you know, rings. Uh, this is all. Best case scenario when you're talking a truck of this caliber or any engine at that caliber. Maintenance. Yeah, ma- that, that is maintenance. Like, oh, you change bearings? Right. Yeah, it's a 1,500-horse truck, idiot. Yes, that, that's what I did, or yeah. more. Yeah, well, at that caliber, they don't live forever. No. no just, there ain't a bearing out there, especially the thrust side on the rods. It's going to take it for 100 and some passes. It yep. just ain't going to happen. Under those uh, boost conditions, it's yeah. just there's no way. But right. the same motor... And that's and let, let's just you know fast uh, fast forward five months, it's still in the truck and you've been running it and everything's fine still correct. I don't know. Yep, yeah, we actually went and played <laughs> no prep for the first time. And got oh. to beat up on a uh, LSX Mustang with an eighty-eight mil turbo on it. So we're talking a three thousand pound car versus my just shy six thousand pound truck, making upwards of fifteen hundred horsepower versus my well on my dyno two thousand UCC seventeen hundred. Either go on, we got there's power there. Yeah. Um, and I was able to actually, it's a no time, no prep, um, but I actually saw the personal best. That pass, I went on 556 at 130.1 mile an hour in the eighth. Again, feel only. I had yet to turn the bottle on. Wow. So it, it's, we got some things under our belt. And that's neat. That, that's another part of the no UCC again. I'm not a sweat puller. We've talked about that before when you yeah. and I, us, we've talked. And this year, my box sides and some other stuff got pretty well hammered from the stuff flying off them duels and. I just, I got home and I I looked at the wife and I knew we were automatically invited back. Her and I talked about it. I'm like, just, I, it's not in me to put that, in my mind, beautiful truck in the dirt. That's not what she was built for. I want to go back to what I love and that's drag racing. So a lot of people ask me, does UCC do anything for your business? And for me personally, as not a manufacturer, I'm sure manufacturers, it does a lot of wonders for them. Um, and that, that event has actually pushed this industry leaps and bounds from where we were three years ago before it existed to where we are now making power rough times whatever um it has pushed this industry that with untested product extremely far um it's oh but i think that's okay for me spending spending three months working on my truck versus customers trucks as someone my size my shop you know we don't got 30 employees working for us to help keep up on customer load for me, it actually, I would have to look back and say it kind of hurt my business just for the fact that I put customers' vehicles aside so I could get my truck done to go compete. So that was another reason we decided not to pull the trigger. James was good, nice enough to tell me if I ever decided to come back, I wouldn't have to qualify. Just, Josh, let me know. You can come back and compete. So That's awesome, man. And I think that's okay, right? Because the UCC is not for everybody. It's not a one-size-fits-all event. Mm-hmm. It, it is something that you have to look at as a competitor, as a shop owner, as somebody in the industry. Is this right for me? And I yeah. think what you're doing is saying that you have a purpose that's just different than what the UCC is. I think that's great, yeah. man. I, th- I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of really diving into purpose built, one of the things I noticed in all of your media was Cummins. Just Cummins truck after Cummins truck after Cummins truck. Obviously, we have some mutual friends in the industry like Tim Kruger and the boys over at Kruger Diesel and Matt Kruger's truck, which I know has been on your dyno and under your care a few times. Um, Mm -hmm. So what Chris and I wanted to do today is a new segment that I'm calling Spec-A-Build. 
So okay. what we're going to do yep. is we're going to have experts from the industry onto the show. And for our interview, instead of diving in more and more about history and things like that, we're going to have you give us some real-world examples. So Chris and I are going to get to play the customer, Dude. which is something we don't get to do often. We always get to be the guy on the phone <sighs> dealing with customers. Yeah. I don't know if I should handle this the right way or the wrong right. way. <laughs> no, let's start with being a good customer. Say, don't be stupid. <laughs> if I could Chris, say that. Oh. And that's the end of Chris on the show. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, no, okay. So so I'm going to kick it off. I got an easy one. I'm going to cue this up. And you, would, Chris, you would you go with the easy that. one. Well, I... No, you're right. You've been that, driving that that turd ass VP truck. So no, it's a twelve. It's a ninety six. Oh, twelve ninety six. Yeah, yeah. I want to keep the fifteen miles low, man. Right. Okay. So Josh, here's here's what I got. I am a customer with a two thousand six Common Rail. Uh, it's a dually. I got about one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it. This thing's my baby, man. I had it since new. I I absolutely drool over it. Um, it it's never been dirty, right? It's, a, it's it, one of those. It's 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 a Cummings, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, Cummings. Right. Yeah, you got to um, get that G in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I tow a lot with it, man. Like I'm, I tow with it so much that I I pretty much live in my camper. So most of the year, I'm driving around like a a good fifth wheel camper behind it. And I'm finally ready to put some of my retirement money into turning this thing into the ultimate tow rig. It is bone stock today. Where do I start and mm-hmm. where do I go with it? Well, is that your main thing? Is that all you care about is towing with it? Or do you want to be able to play with it and have fun too? I just tow with it. That's it. Well, so the first part of the build, especially when we talk Dodge stuff and back in the day of the 48RE, and a lot of people forget about to mention this with builds, is one of the things you got to look at is transmission. That's obviously if we start adding power and you're going to pull with it, tranny ain't going to like that very long, if not if at all, period, especially with that kind of miles on it. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to build a transmission. You kind of know what you're using it for and all that. Um, if you're looking at towing it, part of the camp or with towing and when we put something together is, A, how much does this thing weigh? How big of a camper are we talking? Um, wind drag, all that plays into effect. Are we talking a 10,000-pound trailer? Are we talking a 30,000-pound setup going on the road? Um, sure. For this scenario, honestly, we're going to go with about a twenty thousand. I mean, I mean, it's something that you know I stay okay. in for weeks at a time. Yep. So, something we do there. You know, if there's nothing wrong with the engine at this point, obviously, if you're not looking for huge horsepower, we don't got to dive into the bottom end. If you want to go and have everything fresh, definitely as a customer, that's an option you have. We can do that. Um, it's not necessary if you're not looking for uh, eight hundred plus horsepower uh, setup. Um, something that I really like doing there is kind of how my dad's 06 started. Um, obviously, EFI Live is going to be the go-to on the tuning side. Um, to keep it simple, you know, I have 650-horse truck would be a, is a great tow rig uh, to make that so it runs good down the roads, cool, comes to life, nice. I would personally would like a set of compounds on this, something like a 6278. Um, obviously, a second-gen three-piece manifold head studded probably go through and just do a head gasket because i'm sure it's hurt already at that point uh, 100 horse injectors valve springs push tubes and then run uh, probably a 10 mil pump with a fast behind it to keep it simple instead of doing dual feelers uh, that should be more than enough to get you to 650 hold the tuning back a little bit keep it cool smokeless and run 
I love it. I mean, that that's on the money. What do you think, Chris? I like it. I like the the strategy of a little bit bigger injector. You know, we've played on the dyno. A hundred horse injector, depending on where it's coming from, can maintain anywhere from seven hundred, maybe a little bit more. Uh, again, depending on the camp that the injectors are coming from. So, taking a little right. bit bigger injector, dialing back pulse width, dialing back timing, less heat, less pressure to build up in the cylinders. Um, the turbo setup. I mean, you know, uh, I would dive in a little bit more like what's my turbine on the small off the manifold turbo what's exhaust housing off the manifold turbo these are just little things that depending on the purpose of the build depending on altitude depending on things i'm a little bit more of a stickler on but for what we're doing here i mean it, it's a perfect setup gotcha yeah and we could you know we could do that just uh, i've came with that known and then you guys play in the customer i guess most customers, that's stuff oh, that they wouldn't understand. Anyway. Not at all. I mean, Paul Paul had no idea, so we'll just put that in perspective. So, but no, definitely. Okay, I like it. I like it. All right, man. Uh, well, Chris, it's your turn. Play customer. God, um, I you, you could you could feel free to play with the specs. I, I went to an old article, no, like you an did. old article, and pulled a build. You did awesome. I, jo- I just want to be upfront with you real quick, Josh. What uh, what is your least favorite line of Cummins to modify? Like what 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 are the what are the trucks that you really just don't like playing with out of uh, the generations? Uh, on the Dodge side, yeah. Every time a rattly old twelve L comes in my lot, I cringe. I don't okay. care if it's a VE or a P pump. Okay, um, I, I understand why people like them, yeah. for, but for me in my state in the winter time and everything else, it just it's not practical. No, so. and I can tell you from uh, from my end, I, I like the twelve valve, I like the twenty four valve. You know, trucks, the second gens in general, they are rattly pigs. Uh, when it's cold out, they don't like to start. They're <laughs> noisy as fuck, um, and they will literally piss oil everywhere. But um, I, my, one of my favorite generations of trucks is the second gen VP truck. However, yep. when I get guys that call in and they want to make power, anytime they talk anything over 500 horse, I cringe. I hate it. I hate talking about it. I hate having to explain why. <laughs> when you get done with this, I'm yeah. going to tell you the horsepower that they advertise this yeah. at in the magazine. This is an 800 horse. Gonna, this is an 800 horse package that they advertised. Yeah, um, I, I guarantee it. 600 on fuel, 750 on spray. Yeah. yeah. So before we dive into it, I'll just tell you all. Yes. Yeah. F- fuck me. Yeah. Fuck me. I'm just going to start there. Um, so here, I have a 99 24-valve VP44 truck. Um, so you got a 53 block that's going to crack. It's, it's actually it's not a 53 block. I have the diamond in the rough. It's actually a 55 block. Okay. Okay. Every customer right, says right, that. Right, Every right. customer it's, says that. Sure you do. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to switch it up because I don't even, I don't even like this. I have a 2001 <laughs> NV4500 regular cab. Because that's actually a truck that I had. Okay, I, I own that truck. Yep. Owned. Yeah. Owned. Um, and then I did the smart thing and put a 12-valve in it. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to build a fuel-only 500 to 600 horsepower because, I mean, let's just face it. You know, I've done a little bit of research. Um, on Cummins Forum, I see guys making 7750. You know, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to go to that extent. I want to keep it reliable. So five to six hundred horse, daily driver. Um, I might tow on occasion. Um, you know, I just, I want a, a fun street truck that could work in conjunction to a tow rig if, if needed. Okay. So th- that, that's what I got to work I'm, with. You're gonna need a complete fuel system. So I'll start off a. You'll need a fast. My, and that's my brand when it comes to lift pump. Yep. That's what I know. That's what I trust. So that's, that's what, what we, we use. The customers. Yep. Um, so you'd need a fast 165 minimum. <clears throat> uh, you'll need a hot rod injection pump. 
it's been a while. I've done a VP. You probably need somewhere in the five by, I'd say, twelve injector, maybe a little bigger. Um, then depending on which all your, you said it's a manual. So you can do it two ways. You can get away with a single and still pull with it because you can control RPMs a little bit better. And you can hang a gear longer. Mm-hmm. So you could do a sixty-six millimeter charger as a single, or you if you need to and you really need to pull something heavy, I would be on a probably that sixty-four-ish and on seventy-eight or an eighty on a set of compounds back to these. You're going to end up with head studs, probably pull the head, do a head gas, deck the head. Bell springs push tubes again to keep it alive and happy. And that should make it. Um, yeah. And tuning, I put the VP stuff I there for a while. The, the old edge comp boxes were good. Um, now you can do the Smarty with some custom tunes in it. You, I don't know if quads do anything worth a crap anymore. I know they used to have the adrenalines were pretty badass on them trucks. They were badass, and oh. they loved 4,000 RPM. I just want to point that yes, out. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yep. I love talking VP44, dude. I just, and Quadzilla compared to MM3, let me tell you, my uh, favorite convo. Dude, I'm just saying, the Quadzilla back in the day when I had mine, the thing, when I popped the first head gasket and I pulled the head off, the valves were just kissing the fucking pistons. Like, pop, 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 pop. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing was, dude, oh, that we thing actually have out. one that runs around our town. It's a fully built motor. It's got a very, very old II hot rod pump on it that's still alive. How I can't answer it. Dude. Oh, uh, it's got 5 by 20 injectors in it from Shide. Uh, head's fully gone through. Big lines. Um, and it's got a, what the hell is that turbo? It's a single turbo on spray. That thing lays down 910 horse on my dyno religiously. Dude, that, for one thing, it's just crazy. Like, those, those, mo- like, but mo- that's got an old TST, um, what the hell was that? It was the Max 5 or whatever. Yeah. The timing box. Yep, yep. Oh, um, so I want to dive into a couple of things here for our newer listeners that aren't into heavily modified VP trucks. Okay. Okay. Uh, one thing is you guys both mentioned the the pump. Yeah. So VP44 pump, why is it different? What what would somebody who's new to the Cummins world need to know about the stock VP44 pump? So I would say a little bit of the history there. So uh, back in the first generation Cummins, there was a rotary style, fully mechanical injection pump that really couldn't flow a ton of fuel. Like if you can make 350 horsepower, maybe 400, you were doing something right. Okay. Um, then they go into this, the legendary P pump, the P7100 pump, which that's the attraction for any 12 valve owner. Am I right, Josh? Yep. Like you, that is the most badass pump. And up till a couple of years ago, uh, common rails couldn't even keep up with the fuel capacity of what some of the modified P pumps up there could handle. Right. Okay. That's true. Yep. Um, so there's just, there, there's just, the limitation was endless, like full fuel, 5,000 RPM, like just nasty fucking pumps. And then 1998 and a half came about and the 24 valve motor came. And what they did was, is it's like a hybrid. It's a mechanical pump, but it's electronically controlled and it's a rotary style pump. Yep. And what's different about this pump is is there is no oil that cools the pump. So the the fuel that goes through the pump is supposed to cool the pump down. Well, what happens to electronics when they get hot? Yeah. They burn up. Right. So these pumps are notorious mm-hmm. for frying. When I had my old 01, I went through like four pumps one year. Jeez. And that was like Christ. it was a big injector truck. It had a single big turbo on it, but I went through pumps like crazy. And a lot of people yep. can test that too. You tap the wire on the pump itself. You're asking the pump to go to max capacity. 
it basically burns itself up because the fuel gets hot. Right. And it, it drops fuel, essentially. So uh, the, the pump itself is not the most reliable when you talk about high horsepower application. Um, Josh had mentioned something about a hot rod pump, which yeah. are a couple vendors out there that sell a, a modified uh, stock output VP44 with advanced timing in the pump itself on the computer, and then you, they sell it out. You're doing air quotes, but it's an audio podcast. Right, I get it. But I'm, you're <laughs> staring at me. You're making me awkward. Um, and then there's a couple companies, such as uh, Industrial Injection, uh, Shide. Um, and then there's this other guy that was big on the forums. His name was Monster Mike. Um, yep. and they used to build, like, if you saw any VP44, that was out there making honestly 650 to 700 horse on a reasonable dyno or more it was one of those three pumps gotcha and those pumps are notorious like if you can get one to last more than three or four thousand miles like you did something right like you got a good pump right they were never consistent wow so you start to run into these scenarios where guys would take the p pumps off of a 12 valve retrofit them onto a 24 valve okay that way they get the 24 valves there's theories that the 12s flow more air 24s flow more air whatever but no, they would that, p-pump these motors that sounds affordable and easy yeah and, sure um <laughs> josh is gonna back me up on this uh when it's all said and done building a 12 valve or a 24 valve um you might be a little gun shy looking at like what injectors cost for a common rail but that's literally the biggest difference is injector cost you're probably right. going to be into the same cost when you're talking horsepower builds are you really yeah yeah the only thing that 12 valve really holds on its own because it's being it's mechanical, you don't build the cylinder pressure as the common rails do. Mm -hmm. Things like that, the rods take a lot more than. It. So you can get you can go farther before you spend the big dollar on a bottom end. Yep. Okay. There's guys that'll push stock bottom end twelve valves well over a thousand horse, but do they live forever? No, no. rings start to break. It's like Tyler Things Kip was telling us about shit, that. But, right. right, but you also you know, have eight hundred horse seems seems to be kind of a magic number, oh, on, yeah. especially the six seven with the longer throw on the rod that say F you I'm done hello world I'm coming out yeah. so. and I think the other thing that you have to put in perspective too just going back from my experience when you're talking you know the, the VP44 trucks you know you can clean up smoke like what we do at, over at Calibrated with the MM3 support but when you're talking a 12 valve at 8 or 900 horsepower like when we talk about street friendly or streetable, like if you're not they're careful not. you're going <laughs> to blow smoke like you wouldn't believe that's that's how Nick talked me into buying my 07, my common rail. Right. You know, because you could make yep. that power streetable, very efficient, you know, and not if raise any red flags. If it common rail technology, we would not be driving 1,000 horsepower trucks. Absolutely not. And I don't care who you are, what form you're on, what 12-valve guru you are. If you can say that you can take a smokeless eight or 900 horsepower P-pump truck, I would like to have them on the podcast because uh, <laughs> I sure as hell haven't seen it. There you go. Gauntlet is right. thrown down. Yeah, P-pump right? 12-valve guys. Well, let's hear from The minute the throttle starts to move, I'm sure it can get pretty smokeless <laughs> yeah right exactly but otherwise josh i completely agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there uh you pretty much built a carbon copy of what my 01 was so that was a fun truck smoky as shit but thing was a lot of fun right. for for a 19 20 year old kid it was a blast yeah <laughs> just put it well that it's, way. it's funny you say that so our our next our next customer scenario here is is actually we we expected you to say you hated working on the vps more yeah. than the 12 valves uh, it, it's, I'm a 16-year-old kid, and I just I just inherited uh, my, my grandpa, dad's me, my or my grandpa's, right? Even better, yeah, my yeah. grandpa's 300,000-mile farm truck. That's a 12-valve. So of course it's a regular cab, long bed, 
manual transmission. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Craig, Craigslist special, man. These yeah. are, these are. I'm just thinking of the Craigslist yeah, that I would create for this. Because there's, there's, you said there's two 12-valve pumps, so the P7100. Well, there's a, there's a few of them. There's a few of well, them. Well, okay, uh, but. There, there's for, another P pump that's not a 7100, isn't no, there? No, no, they're all, well, they're they're all a P7100. For the Dodges, they're all P7100, but they have like 160 yep, horse. Low, one, right, lower horsepower range that couldn't do much all the way up to the 215, 215 I think, was yep. the big one. Yep. Okay, my me as a customer, I have the shittiest one. Well, you, you don't. You would have <laughs> you would have like a, a one seventy five. But either way, it's a ninety six. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't but matter. You have the shittiest pump. Uh, and and all my buddies sled pull, bro. So I'm 16, 17 years old. All my buddies sled pull. It's the only thing that's going on around here, dude. I I gotta run two six smoothbore next year. What do I do? Buy a bigger pump. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a fuel shop, so I do know kind of the limitation of the P-pumps, the different versions of them. Um, obviously, if you're going to run 2.6 smoothbore, you said you have a manual transmission, you're going to want a clutch, you're going to want to do gear work. Uh, most likely, a truck's a 355 gear from the factory being a second gen. <laughs> oh, hell. Honestly, manifold turbo are things you're going to be buying. Um, if it's going to be, that's where, on the, the turbo side there, when you start talking all I'm going to do is sled pull this thing, or do I need to be able to pull something on the road with it too? Because now you're talking a fine line on turbine size, AR ratios, all this other stuff. Do you want to make a ton of power on the high RPM, or do you need it to come to life at low side too out on the street? Um, pump, take it off, send it to a fuel shop that knows what they're doing. Let's get this thing up in some CC, matched up with probably a oh, hell. I'd say a five by eighteen injector to push that turbo. Um, gov springs out, or either put a custom ground fuel plate in it, or remove it. Put some governor springs in it to pull at least forty five hundred to five out of it. Again, valve springs and push tubes to keep the top together. Probably head studs, deck to head, o ring to head, or fire ring it. Being a twelve valve, they like to leak, um, and let her rip. And How about suspension side? Depends on what your rules are. I like where he's going can with this. Can you block it? Can you not? Yeah. So, can I, you I, run, you know, then you find the guy that finds the fine line and does the blocking and they run air and pump them up as they go down the track. Uh, Slick. I like that. A couple things I want to touch on here is number one, you said flat out you're not a fuel, you know, a, a fuel pump shop, so you would send the pump out and have it tested. Yep. Um, I would do business with you just for, you know, saying where your strengths are, you know, like, hey, I don't do this. I will resource this out. Um, so that's a big thing. You know, usually like some of the in mechanical injection pumps, the shops that I work with, like they'll say like, hey, this is what this pump can flow. So this is the injector to match it per whatever the horsepower rating is. But, you right. know, you're going to be limited yeah, by turbocharger. We try to do it. We, we get a customer's goal. <clears throat> What's that truck going to be used for? It's one thing to have a horsepower goal in mind, but the huge thing is what do you need to use this truck exactly. for? Exactly. Um, and then it's in the P pump world, the mechanical stuff, it's pump goes off, we send it off, we give that same information to our fuel shop, and then build me a set of injectors that match that. Yep. And I also usually take it one farther just to make my life easy on reinstall. We have them set the timing. You know, it's, you, factory pins are 14. And 14, 14 and a half degrees, if yes. I remember right. Yes. We usually have them pre-lock it at 18 to 20, or even maybe 16.5, depending on the application. Yep. Change that on the, the governor side of the turbo, and so just I don't have to sit there and dial indicate everything all this time. Oh yeah. Or all, all the other stuff. That's and a the nightmare. Cam, 
Yeah, it can be. It very well can be. There's a you know, everybody thinks the twelve hours you know, the simplest thing out there to work on no. until it comes to timing. You can guess, oh, I move the crank an inch, sweet, let's lock it back down. That should be a few degrees. <laughs> It, it's really not common rail stuff. And let me tell you how easy common rail stuff is. You get to pull that fucking pump off. You can put a one right back in, tighten it down. It's done. Yeah. There's no done. timing. Yeah, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's worth, hey, for what the cost of injectors are on those, it's worth the convenience there. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look at, and so if you want to go down that road, everybody says the 12 ounce is cheap to build, even yeah. on the fuel side. Not really. Look at what a big boy pump costs. Take a pump off. Pay to have it turned into a 13 mil pump. For go oh, for God. Three, Forget four it. Grand, easy. Yeah, that's. Ouch. I can buy two stock pumps. I got a thousand. Yeah. Horse worth of feel. Yep. And I can still. The huge thing is I can drive it on the road. I can tune this thing to drive it. Start yeah. in the winter time. Blow heat in the winter time. Pull my trailer. Well, I think the big thing there, too, <clears throat> when we talk about any of the era of Dodges, you know, the, the general consensus with everything that we've talked about is. Head studs, push tubes, valve springs, okay? These are things that are going to be there no matter what. Those things are the same cost mm -hmm. no matter what the engine is. Right. You're going to be touching right. on the turbo and manifold. Same cost there regardless. And then we talk about injection pumps, okay? Uh, you're going to be limited on the second gen 24 valve. You're not going to be limited on yep. the 12 valve. But, I mean, like three dollars $4,000 for a 13-millimeter pump, That, from what I remember, I probably costs have come down some. But that's, like, relatively cheap. And then to find a badass set of 5 by 20 or 5 by 18 injectors to match from a reputable company, you're probably paying yep. anywhere from 800 to 1200 bucks. So when you then put you that in... Lines and everything else. Lines oh. and everything else. Put that in perspective. Now add that into, like, a common rail. You're like you're really, really going to be. Yeah, I, I guess what always discouraged me from the older Cummins was that the the initial cost of the truck didn't come down enough to rationalize saving money on, like you said, the injectors. Yeah. So when you look at like what a good condition, you, you know, quality for quality across the years. Oh, trust me, you really don't save a lot of money by buying an no. older vehicle, no. even with higher mileage, if, if it's still in good condition. Yeah. So. So that saving, like you're saying, is pretty much just about literally the cost of injectors, Well, assuming that they need to be replaced. But then you also have to look at it from the perspective, like, let's talk about 06 Dodges right now. 06s, when I first started, they were a couple years old. Yeah. Now they're 12 to 13 years old. Okay? Yep. Lines, you know, just, um, you know, rubber lines, metal lines, fuel, uh, brake lines, whatever the case may be, those are 12, 13 years old. Let's talk about a 12-valve or a 24-valve. Yeah. Try finding one that's in good shape to begin with. I got one. No big deal. But, <laughs> but you look at it, it's like the lines, you know, all those things. Like, there's an added cost there to get that road worthy. Right. You know, we're right. buying. And a lot of people don't think of that. No. It's, we got the young. I see the younger kids buying that stuff because it's cheaper. Yep. Okay. And don't get me wrong, the, the second-gen Dodge, especially a regular cab long bed, is still one of my favorite-looking trucks, especially an old old one and newer so that with the sport with the sport that's my favorite nicer grill yeah yeah nicer bumper i'm grinning well, right now josh I, we're on the same page put a six seven common rail on that thing with a 48 re and a ratchet shifter and we are one bad mother truck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh you know don't get wrong they're beautiful trucks and the same thing on the ford side we see a lot of young kids starting to buy six o's because they can pick them up dime dozen lb7 but they don't look at the that's a great point they don't look at the general aspect of this thing's got a lot of miles on it. If it's a Minnesota truck, it's rusted to shit. And that's exactly it. Brake lines are gone. Fuel lines are gone. We've been, we were dealing with that in the shop left and right lately. Um, you know, think you add all that in, you could have started off with a nicer truck. Yep. You, you know, I do feel like 
I remember being young and buying rusty vehicles yeah. and people being like, it's got so many miles on it. And I'm like, yeah, but who cares? Like the engine's in great condition. Thinking that when they were saying high miles, they meant it looks like shit. And like the interior is shitty and, you, you know, the, the, the body is rusted. But you guys are right. I mean, really where all of my costs were was never – I was never going to fix that shit. We know somebody at, at work who, who drives the rust rocket. Yeah. He's never going to fix the fucking rust on no. it. The kid will put a trans, a turbo. He did a trans, turbo. He did an intake, injectors, brake lines. Like, but, come on, man. But, but it's rusting apart, like yeah. it's falling apart. And, and so you're, right. you're absolutely right. The younger you are, the more appealing that is because you're not thinking about all those little replacements. Well, like I, we laugh about maintenance on a 1,500-horsepower engine, yeah. but maintenance on a 300-horsepower stock vehicle or near-stock vehicle also can be expensive if you're not keeping a heads-up on where you're going to go with this. In fact, right. I, I was in those shoes. I was. I mean, yeah. you've seen – yeah. Yeah, we, we've been we've there. seen one or two of your trucks in here. Yeah, with some great ideas. Huh? Six or seven. Yeah. You know, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Enough of that. Cool. Last truck. Last right. truck. You want to do it? So yeah, I'll, I'll take. Well, you you, you took do the it. It, you know it, Liberty it. of the twelve. Yeah. So, um, I have a 2013 six seven Cummins. Okay, it's uh, my daily driver. I drive probably sixty miles a day to and from work. Um, I might go to the drag strip. Like I, I might just you know hang out with my buddies, take it you know once here, once there. Um, I tow some trailers every now and then, um, but it's mainly you know I want to get in it. I want to go for a road trip with the family. Uh, I want it to be an all-purpose truck. I'm shooting for you know 600 horse, 650 horse. You know that just that nice, streetable horsepower and utilize it in a lot of different ways. And it's a 68 RFE by the way. My first question to anybody with newer trucks is you want to keep the thing street legal or not? You know what? I'm going to throw a curveball on you. I am going to keep it street legal. Okay. <clears throat> well, we can do a Mata VGT Turbo. Okay. That should be able to handle that kind of power. Um, I know, I believe you guys make one. I know Gleesa uh, should more than be able to handle that. Yep. We should be able to throw, you said 650 horse truck, 100 horse injectors <clears throat> should get us there. Uh, depending on the quality of injection pump, it might make it, it might not. Uh, if it's still in good shape or if it's got a lot of miles on it. Obviously, we're going to be back down the road of a lift pump, uh, fast 165. Even a 95 will take care of that. 6.7, if you're going to keep a VGT on it, 6.25 head studs are going to be a must. Um, intake, um, exhaust, we don't have to touch nothing there. And then it's going to be, I mean, you got a couple options on tuning. We can do Easy Link, we can do EFLI, we can do Smarty based stuff. Um, all of them should be able to, that setup should more than get that truck to where you want it to be. Add some trans tuning in it. Um, and if you drive the truck right, I can personally say I have taken a 68 RFE bone stock 632 real horse truck to from day one to 138,000 miles for the training set. That's you, I'm done. So. And there was it, you didn't do like nice. you didn't do like a valve body or a high pressure kit or anything I didn't in do it. Shit, I for me one reason, but everybody doesn't shit why we buy brand new trucks. I got that L5P right now. We can get our hands on a 19 Power Stroke, um, and still wait and see what the hell the 19 Cummins is all about. There's limited stuff out on them right now. Right. We buy new ones to punish them, to put them through the paces. So when we look at a customer that wants to build something, we can tell them what they kind of can't do. Um, my 2011 Dodge, we bought it from day one. We put a 66 millimeter turbo on. We put 100 horse injectors in it. We even left the head stuck bolts alone to see how long before the head gasket would say, I'm done. And what tuning um, did you have on it at that off, point? Well, it started off with H&S in it because okay. the FLI was not supporting them yet. Right. <laughs> it had an H&S Black Max in it with their hot damn tune 
and their overdrive software at about 80,000 miles on the truck. And now you got to remember that truck, you got used to pull the race truck all over the countryside. Um, got used to pull the wife's horse trailer, hay bales, everything. And it was not driven too nicely. Um, but I didn't, also didn't have it get in or try to grab fifth or sixth gear in a wide open throttle on a hot tune too often. Um, the about 80,000 miles it's got EFI live with from Starlight Diesel with their trans tuning in it and 138,000 the tranny finally lost reverse still had all forward gears oh wow no shit that's crazy i mean just thinking like in our r&d you know we had um we had a 15 okay that we used for r&d took it through some paces with the stock trans understood that there were some limitations in the factory valve body and the one right. thing we've learned is over the years the valve body is not able to maintain as much line pressure yeah. So we, we've known that we've noticed that more in the CME lineup, uh, the 13 to 18s. Um, but I mean, you. Well, really I think a big issue. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you no. off. Back to we're building a 13 truck here, and I think a big problem that's become on the Dodge line, which I never still to this day I don't understand why they did it, is the gear ratio. 373s are great, streetable, fun-loving gear. Still do okay on economy. Pull trailers wonderfully. That 342 gear is not so much. <clears throat> and I think that's one reason, especially, you know, you got a uh, double overdrive transmission. Yep. You got a 31 to 33 inch tall tire on it. You got 373s at 70 mile an hour down the road. That thing's what, 1680 RPMs? Yeah. Put 342s in there, you drop down to 1400. They're stressing the living hell out of overdriving them trannies at that point. But those are so usually what I you think, see fail. Right. And I think, you know, we've been doing it a lot, honestly. And the Yukon has stepped up, done it. I know Nitro now has done it. They make a bundle package specifically for those trucks to re-gear them. And that's actually one of our hot tickets in the shop is re-gearing 13 and newer trucks, bringing them back to 373. And it's, even though it doesn't sound like a big jump, 342, 373, it's huge. It's insane how much better the truck accelerates out of the hole, how much smoother it is through the power band, keeps the truck closer to a power, its peak or towing torque band you're going down the road so um, I I never did understand if it was an emissions thing a fuel economy thing why they put the 342s you know if you had a two wheel drive and all you're doing is driving around the countryside they'd probably be great right I could see that uh, definitely and I think that would be one of the reasons you might be seeing the newer trucks burning them up even more is they're just people want everybody's got it in their mind I gotta get the most economy out of it the lower the RPM the better the fuel economy so they let that thing get up in six gear at 55, 60 mile an hour. Right. And it's weighed, you know, and put three, four twos, and they got 10,000 pounds behind them. Then when they start getting <laughs> after it, they don't give it enough throttle to downshift. Yep. And it has to lug through that. Yep. So, no, definitely. I agree with you there. Awesome. Cool. Cool, man. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, if our listeners are looking to get a hold of you, what's a good way for them to find you? Well, my new website ain't done yet. It will be jagsdiesel.com. Uh, just to shorten it up, make it a lot easier than Jake's Pro Truck Shop. Uh, that should be released here in the next month or so, finally. Uh, other than that, uh, Facebook is a great way. Uh, we answer that and look at messages all the time. Josh at, yeah, Josh at jakesprotruckshop.com um, or just the phone number to the shop, which you can find online kind of anywhere. So. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of giving our listeners some some really good feedback here of some real-world builds and some real-world advice. Uh, Guys, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. 
the Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTutor.com or Chris at CEHMK at DuramaxTutor.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you. At, at SEMA. We're into practicality. Right, you right. Know, like, like, like. There is nothing practical use. with any of the builds at SEMA. And with SEMA builds, what do we see with trucks? It's the the lift. Mm-hmm. It's the all lift, about the lift and the tires. The polish, the glam. Right.